Hey, and welcome to the Hot Air Podcast from Watchful. I'm Vic Drover. I'm here with my colleague, Steve Burge. And on today's pod, we're talking with Brian Mitchell. Brian is the newly minted president of Open Source Matters. That's the legal and financial organization that backs the Joomla project. Wow. But unlike leaders of most open source content management systems, Brian runs his own web agency day to day. It's called Intergen. In fact, his office is just north of Milwaukee, about a 20 minute drive from my office. Well, Vic, I feel like this podcast has an enormous bias towards people that live within about uh, a 20 minute radius of your house. We've had a a whole bunch of guests from Chicago, (laughs) Milwaukee and that area. So Brian has been working with nonprofits for many years. His company, Intergen, actually still has a .org domain name because they started in the nonprofit world. And so hopefully he's a really good fit as the new figurehead of the Joomla community. We talk about how his work grew out of nonprofits to include more web design and now a new focus with premium hosting. And then we also talk about his new role as the leader of the Jimmy community. All right, that sounds awesome. Let's get after it. Hi, Brian. Welcome to the Hot Air Podcast. Hey, Vic. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here today. Yeah, before we get into it, I think it's kind of interesting um, that uh, you and I live so close together, 15, 20-minute drive uh, away, uh, but we had to go halfway across the world to meet at a, at a Joomla conference a few months back. It was really great to meet you and find someone uh, close to home. Yeah, it was uh, kind of amusing arranging the, uh, you and I had a brief few, a few brief phone calls prior to the trip uh, and just arranging that and realizing through the course of that that we were about to fly halfway around the world to go have to share in a conversation, uh, knowing that we're practically next door to each other. So, Yeah, Joomla is a small world, uh, open source website builders, it's a small world. We interviewed someone last week, and it turns out I was uh, the first person she had ever met in the website development community as she was transitioning from a prior job into kind of the web dev area. And I had known her for maybe 10 or 12 years. And I had actually not realized that until we had her on the podcast for an interview. Sure, sure. Well, and I, I uh, it's funny, I'd been in web development myself for probably six or seven years, vaguely aware that there was a community out there collaborating and working on open source projects together, but really had not had an opportunity to connect or to interface. So I can relate to that on some level. There's so many people out there who are just busy paying the bills and working and doing other things that they don't have time to to pay the dues to become part of a larger community. Yeah, although it's interesting because what you realize once you have an opportunity to connect is there's so many more possibilities, not just from a collaboration or working on the project at hand, but you know, when I first made those connections six or seven years ago, and of course it takes time build, to build the relationships and to build trust, but there's a lot to be gained in terms of participating in those conversations in those communities from a business networking, from sharing technology ideas. Um, so it's really literally opened up a whole new world of possibilities for me and for my business. Well, you've risen to the top. Uh, Congratulations. You are now the president of Joomla since a month or so ago? Actually, technically since about a week ago. Okay. Uh, we did have a little bit of a transition. I've been on the board for... Uh, approaching six months. I started on the board first as the treasurer back in October of 2019 and uh, then ran for president of the board for Open Source Matters, which is the organization that oversees all of uh, the Joomla project. And 
because I was transitioning from an existing board position into a new one, they needed to hold another election to backfill the treasurer position, which just finished within the last couple of weeks. So officially, uh, you're talking to me about five days into uh, my new role uh, on the board as open source. Oh, am I the, the first person to be able to say... Congratulations, Mr. President. Probably outside of the uh, Joomla community proper, yes. So uh, thank you for that, and I appreciate it. It's funny because the board of directors is really designed to be a flat organization, so there's not some hierarchical structure. We're really just there to provide the environment for the amazing community of developers to do their thing within Joomla. We provide financial oversight, um, legal marketing. So we're there just to provide the structure so that the community can do their thing. Also, oh, it's more of a um, more of an honorary title. Yeah, well, I mean, yes, I'm a big fan of the notion of servant leadership. So it's interesting because some of the conversations I had leading up uh, to the presidency, you know, being here in the United States, there's this huge focus on what I call the imperial presidency, right? Like everybody's there to help the presidents uh, to create and serve his agenda. The CEO mentality. Yeah, exactly. And, and with these types of organizations, I see it almost upside down where, like I said, the community is really the one that's driving a sense of where the project is heading. And those of us that are blessed to be in leadership positions have the opportunity to serve that community and to say, how can we help you fulfill the mission and the agenda that we all share together? So it's not so much that I have this, you know, I certainly have my thoughts as a contributor in terms of where I'd like to see the project go and what I'd like to see happen. But I see that as contributing to all of the thoughts that are shared more broadly within the community about what needs to happen. My primary role as the president of Open Source Matters uh, is to be a steward of its resources and to create the environment where the community can get amazing work done. I've been around Joomla for 15 years or so now, and I've only ever heard one other person use that phrase, servant leadership, before. And that was the guy I considered to have been by far the best president of oh. open source matters, a guy called Ryan, who was in the position maybe about 10 years ago. He had the same, the same attitude. If he was going to a conference, he would be the one stacking the chairs at the end of the day, putting the chairs out, making the coffee. He'd be, he was the president in, I'm doing quotation marks in the air at the moment. He was the president, but he was the guy who was doing all the dirty work and, making it possible for other people to to contribute. Yeah, it's, uh, and I like that. Uh, it's great to hear about Ryan. And he's before my time, right? It, and I mean my time involved in the community at all. It's great to hear that he was living that out in a very tangible, real way when you talk about making the coffee and stacking the chairs. But usually that's a reflection, too, of a more deeply held philosophical understanding of what it means to lead, uh, of how we again, just enable others to do their thing. So when he's stacking the chairs, that's giving somebody else the podium and to share new thoughts or new ideas about where things should be heading. When he's making the coffee, that's freeing somebody else up to do their things. So that's, that's a great story about how that, that kind of leadership can be lived out. So this is actually something you've thought deeply about. In fact, from talking to you before we jumped on the podcast, Teaching and enabling this kind of leadership was actually how your web design company came around. You actually, your company, Intergen, yes. actually had its origins in helping organizations and leaders try and run successful nonprofits. Exactly. Um, and it really, you know, when Intergen started, there was a, 
the services that we provided were more broad-based. We were doing consulting, uh, general marketing, web development was part. And for us, it was this process of uh, continually understanding where our greatest value could be offered. And it was in helping people leverage tools uh, like Joomla or WordPress or other open source platforms to leverage tools to communicate more effectively with their audiences. And and you're exactly right, Steve. It was a really heavy focus on teaching, on enabling, getting the technical problems out of the way so they could focus on the real challenge, which is how to communicate effectively and how to model good leadership and good community. What kinds of groups were they? Did you have a a particular focus on, say, church groups or environmental groups or local community organizations? Were you working in a particular area? So the evolution for us, it started uh, with churches. My first website ever was built for a church. And it was it was literally uh, helping Catholic nuns to be posting updates to the church website. <laughs> and which is really eye-opening because they were very concerned about the challenges of technology and how things worked. Um, but there was this incredible sense of joy about a very traditional culture and environment and being able to bring that onto the internet at the end of the 90s. You know, so this is very early in the content development. I started with Mambo 15 years ago. And wait, there's, there's actually like a nunnery or nunneries around Wisconsin? Oh, plenty. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, uh, okay. Wisconsin <laughs> is a, a stronghold, a bastion of Roman Catholic tradition. It's different than like the New England states. But yeah, there's a very strong uh, Roman Catholic presence in, in Wisconsin, in Milwaukee in particular. So yeah, I started out with churches and that did. It's I hadn't really thought about the progression until you asked that question, Steve. But from there, we got into arts organizations and other community-based volunteer groups. And then we started to have small businesses start to ask. So we just, and we, at that point, I was freelancing. So on a personal level, I just started to see increasing demand for what I was providing in web development. But it was sort of a backdoor way of getting to work with organizations and help them focus on the organizational piece. Brian, what changed when you, or what had to change? either intentionally or trial and error, et cetera, when you were moving from freelance to, you know, a, a regular small business or something that you wouldn't call freelancing, what were the most important factors that allowed you to make that distinction? And did you just wake up one day and it was there or was it intentional? Um, it's intentional and it's a process. I've played around in the last 15 years with all sorts of different business models, starting out primarily freelancing. We've done strategic partnerships with companies in the past. And what happens is you realize when you're freelancing that there are just like day-to-day tactical, practical things that you enjoy doing, right? But then there's other stuff that you don't enjoy as much, but is required to run a business effectively. So one of the challenges of being a freelancer is you're in charge of legal, accounting, sales, production, support, training, all of it. You're responsible for everything. And so there's this constant juggling going on. And of course, you want to take care of your existing clients first and foremost. So support always takes the priority. And then probably production comes in at some point. But if you're not selling, then you're not growing the business and there's a concern there. So there's this constant juggling of going on. And and part of the thought process in that, again, is trying to prioritize which pieces should you be doing on a day-to-day basis. And then also looking at, again, there might be parts that you are better at on a personal level or things that you're not as great at or do or don't enjoy. And usually those things go together. And so then you start hiring a few folks part-time to help out with the things that maybe you're not as good at, you don't enjoy as much, or you develop strategic partnerships. 
So I've done a lot of that uh, in the last 15 years. And it was probably about five years ago that I became really focused on saying I'm as interested as much as I've done in terms of organizational development. That's what my graduate studies were in was in uh, management organizational behavior. And there was a shift for me. It was a deliberate shift to say, am I building websites or am I building a business that builds websites? And uh, really embracing the latter. And what I've come to appreciate more and more is if it is that and I'm focused on building the business, then on a day-to-day basis, I'm constantly asking myself to the, hands, to the extent that I'm hands-on and on the front line of either building sites or managing support or answering questions, Every time I'm doing that, I'm looking for ways to empower others to do that effectively within our organization, because that's the only way we're going to be able to grow. So it sounds like you've had to come up with some processes, obviously, that can be scaled and and used for training with your people that you're hiring. But you mentioned strategic partnerships maybe two or three times now and and prior to the start of of the pod. What do you think was maybe, can you discuss in general terms, maybe one of the most important ones that that helped push you forward in your agency growth? Yeah, I think I think it's helpful to think in the context of relationships when it comes to that, because that's really what a strategic partnership is, right? And, and you're saying, this is where we're strong, and this is how it complements the other uh, entity or organization. The challenge with strategic partnerships is always just like any relationship, right? Like they only end a couple of ways. Um, and so part of it is is thinking through at the outset, yeah, you know, either you're going to come together fully at some point and look at some sort of merger acquisition situation, or you'll decide that things aren't as complementary long term as once they were because of like any relationship between two people, both entities are continuing to grow and evolve and change. Sometimes that means growing apart. It's I think the least likely path is that everything stays the same and you continue just to partner forever. So that's been an important piece for us is appreciating and understanding those dynamics and sort of going in eyes open and with a sense of integrity as we're communicating with potential partners to say, you know, let's share this next leg of the journey together. And let's be aware that at some point this relationship will end and then thinking about what that end looks like. And again, it could be a coming together. It could be a moving apart. And just to be kind of at peace with that at the outset um, is really helpful. So that's kind of how we've come to approach and appreciate and understand it. And there's, you know, been some learning opportunities that we've certainly had along the way uh, to grow in that understanding. So that's kind of where we the function. Could you give us an example there, Brian? What does a strategic partnership look like for an agency? What, what kind of partnerships are you talking about that will really benefit your work? Is it a partnership with another agency that might have some complementary skills? Yeah, I think that's usually where it starts. And in fact, I was just uh, in a conversation, we had a um, somebody that we'd met at a business conference about six months ago reached out to us literally just yesterday and the company that had built their website was getting out of hosting and had a recommendation for somebody else they might consider for hosting but because they had met us they called and in the midst of that conversation we started to drill down and say well who again built your website and how did that work out and that prompted a phone call to their business development director just yesterday and and you know, I don't know if it's going to go anywhere, but it's a great example of exactly what you were just describing, Steve, where they were saying, you know, we've really learned that we enjoy the creative process of working with the client to develop a game plan for how they want to be communicating online. But as you were alluding to earlier, you know, support is its own challenge. Uh, training is its own skill set. Handling um, the technical aspects of an effective hosting environment, that's a whole different 
ballgame for a company that's focused on design and marketing strategy. And so often we just have that conversation and say, where are you strong? This is where we're strong. And often it turns into a cross-referral relationship if we have an existing client that we've been hosting for a while and they want to refresh their site or they want to undertake a new marketing initiative for a new campaign, you know, that's not something that we're necessarily going to do in-house. We'll refer that out to a partner and it sort of becomes a reciprocal thing. You've been talking about hosting a lot. We've had quite a few people on the podcast that have told us explicitly that they have got their agency out of the hosting business. They simply want to be doing projects. They want to be doing the, the site building work and they don't want to be on call at two o'clock in the morning sure. for their hosting customers. But you seem to be going in the opposite direction that it sounds as if more and more of the work you're doing is hosting related. Uh, actually, about six months ago, we're still doing uh, production work and still building new websites and uh, doing work on uh, websites for existing clients. But it's sort of a back to the future for us. As I was indicating, I, I sort of got into this based on appreciating how much open source content management systems can enable people to manage their own content online. They don't have to be web developers to be keeping their website updated. So we've always had a really strong focus on training, on support, on answering questions. And then when technical issues arise, on resolving those. And so about six months ago within Intergen, we made a pretty deliberate decision to say, you know, we're going to continue to maintain some development work, but our real focus is going to be on growing. You know, hosting is what the general market understands what we're doing, but it's really that additional layer of making sure the website is backed up, that it's secure, that it's in a good environment, that we're answering your questions, we're providing the support and training that you need. So for us, that's the focus in the wheelhouse. But I understand where there's firms that enjoy the creative process and ideating with the client and coming up with uh, new designs. I understand that. It's just ours is more in what happens after the website launches. It's almost like a hosting plus or a, a managed hosting service where the hosting is one part of it, but then also, I know you're a big Watchful customer. You've got a, well over 100 sites, I think, on Watchful. You do the, like, the site maintenance through a tool like Watchful. You do training, you do support, consultation. So am I right in thinking that technically you call it hosting, but perhaps that hosting package is also bundled with a whole variety of other value-added services too? For sure. And in fact, we, you know, internally and in, in our own marketing, we'll talk about it as our subscription service. I mean, people, the, there's sort of, we could create a word cloud around all of the ways people try and understand this, whether it's managed hosting, we've talked about white glove, premium. For us, it's to make that experience of owning a website as stress-free as possible. So you want your website to be working for you. And all of our clients, we're really quick to acknowledge that they have websites sort of out of necessity, but that's not their business. Their business is their business and they want their website to be serving their business. So our focus is to get all of the technical headaches out of the way. And even the content management stuff as simple and as straightforward as it is to use a tool like WordPress or Joomla to manage content. We have a lot of clients that are like, you know what? I feel like I can't even remember my password, but I want to get this stuff up on my website. Could you guys just take care of that for us? So some of our clients are still in a situation where they just want to email us the updates as they have them and then trust that we're going to post them. And of course, because of the tools we're using, we can do it quickly and easily. 
And we have the added benefit of making sure that the layout is good, that it's styled well, that it's responsive. So when we talk about that plus or that premium or our subscription service, it's not the commodity hosting. We're not in the race to the bottom to provide $5 a month hosting on websites. We're providing value in that the client doesn't have to stress about the technical problems that might pop up or how to manage content quickly or make sure it's going to look good if they want to do a blog post. Those are all the types of services that we're providing on the back end. Actually, what you're describing is more like you're a partner with your clients. You know, you're not, not a strategic partner, but you've kind of got this partnership for some of them where you're acting in their best interests and, and kind of, you know, almost like an outsourced IT department almost. I, that's a really great way to describe it. Our wheelhouse in terms of market segment has always been for the folks that have sort of outgrown the build-it-yourself stuff but aren't big enough to have in-house uh, web development or support talent. So it's always been small to medium-sized businesses and organizations. And we have some larger groups that we're working with for sure. We've worked with some organizations that do have in-house web development, but they'll outsource to us for special projects. But yeah, it's exactly that, Vic, where and we think of ourselves very much that way, even as we're strategizing about different solutions with clients, our team has a really strong focus on always finding the best value for the client, even if that means recommending a solution that is competing with something that we offer in-house. So often there will be third-party services or solutions, and if that's the best value for the client, we'll make that recommendation because we know that long-term, that's what's going to sustain the client and sustain our relationship. So we really focus a lot on building trust and always recommending what we see as the highest value for the client. And then um, hoping that that results for us in a long-term relationship where we're exactly what you described. We are their in-house web partner. We just happen to function under a different umbrella called Intergen. So I ask this question of just about every agency that comes on the podcast. It's a question that you can feel free to say, uh, buzz off when I ask you. But the question is, how does your revenue break down? I'm always curious that there's so many different ways to run an agency, so many different ways you can mix and match your revenue sources. When it comes to hosting, when it comes to support, training, web design, what's the the mix of revenue that you have? You know, it's interesting for probably the first decade of Intergen's existence, our split was to probably, we, I, I've always looked at it between uh, production or sales and subscription, which is the residual, right? Those are the folks that are paying either monthly or, or annually. And for a very long time, I sort of saw two thirds, one third split as the ideal. And that was two thirds in production and new projects and in building. And then a third was in our sustaining hosting subscriptions. And uh, actually, 2019 uh, was the first year where our hosting revenue exceeded our production. And the reason I was so focused on production early on is because I saw that as growth, right? Every website we build is a new client that we get to host. And so I figured as long as our revenue was skewing towards production, that meant growth for Energen. What we've learned in the last three to five years is we're picking up a lot of hosting clients that we didn't build. Part of that has been through acquisition. We did uh, acquire a firm just over three years ago that provided a fantastic customer base for us. But in addition to that, we've picked up a lot of websites coming off of exactly the types of relations which we were talking about earlier, where 
you know, there's a company that's really focused on building the site, but isn't as excited about hosting. Usually what they'll do is they'll set them up on, you know, a budget hosting service and sort of like call us if you need something. And what we found for a lot of those relationships is when that phone call is placed, I've got a problem or I want to make an update or there's a change. One of two things happens. Either they have to wait a really long time to get the call back because that company isn't focused on managing the website. They're just focused on building it. Or as soon as you place that call, the meter is ticking in terms of the financial cost. You know, you're paying hundreds of dollars to get basic updates made to your website that you didn't budget for, you didn't plan for. So what initially looked like a really great deal on low-cost hosting month to month turns into a much bigger concern if there's a security problem, if the site's not backed up, if you have a question about maintaining content, if you want to make a change, all of a sudden you have all this expense that you didn't budget for. So that's really the problem set that we're trying to solve for our clients. Yes, they're going to pay more upfront in terms of our subscription service, but all that stuff I just listed off is just taken care of. We handle the backups, we handle the software updates, we handle the good hosting environment. We answer all the questions, and then we work with you to, to manage the content. Okay, so they value having a fixed price each month. They don't want someone nickeling and diming them. They pay Intergen X dollars a month, and their website problems are taken care of. Exactly, and as long as they're not changing the scope of what their website, you know, so if we have a client that comes in and says, I want to add e-commerce, well, of course, that's going to change the landscape in terms of one, we have to build that into their existing site. Usually we can do that. It's not a whole brand, depending on what platform they built in. But if they wanted to add new features or functionality, they usually get two quotes from us. This is what it'll take for us to build out that new feature. And then this is the impact that it'll have on your subscription with us. But again, once that subscription is taken care of, as long as you're not changing the features or the scope of your site, you know your total cost of ownership. This is what it's going to cost for you to have a well-maintained, backed-up, secure website uh, for the year. So do you have any customers that are like blue-chip clients? If someone asks you, Brian, what do you do? You say, oh, we do some hosting, including company X, which is famous and everyone has heard of. Or do you just have a very clean focus on smaller, medium-sized businesses you have? 100, 150 or more clients all at a, a particular level that you're comfortable with and they're comfortable with. Do you have any, any big fish on the hook or are you very cleanly focused on that small and medium business range? I would say we're definitely more the latter. We do have some larger clients. So if I mean, we, we have clients uh, all over the United States, almost exclusively in the small to medium-sized market, but we have everything from public utilities to municipalities we have the oldest, longest running live performance space in the state of Wisconsin. I'll say this one easily because we've talked about it for years. It's really one of the first local landmark clients. There's a, a fantastic organization called the Grand Opera House, and it's in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. And it's the longest continuously running live performance space in the state of Wisconsin. Vic, being down here in Milwaukee, knows about the Pabst Theater. It's, it's basically Oshkosh's version of the Pabst. Right. Beautiful facility. And uh, we've been really honored and thrilled to have them as a client forever. We do maintain one of the Catholic diocese websites here in the state of Wisconsin, which is a pretty significant organization. They take care of about 20% of the total state of Wisconsin. But that's definitely the upper end for us in terms of the size and scope of the client. Our real focus is on, again, the folks that have sort of outgrown the hassles of trying to deal with stuff on the software as a service platforms, the Squarespace, Wix, 
the folks that don't want those headaches for themselves and just want a good, well-maintained website that looks beautiful and is well taken care of, and that they've got a partner that they can call when they have questions or concerns. So we've spent uh, most of the pod now talking about um, your business, who you serve, how you built it up from freelance to a you know small to medium business sized business, and and that's kind of your target market, small to medium sized businesses. Yeah. It sounds like. Yep. Now let's uh, kind of put some uh, context. Uh, and circle back to where we started this conversation. Do you think as an active website builder, maintainer, developer, business owner, who's every day got his nose to the grindstone, making sure his bills are paid, his staff are paid, building websites. Do you think that that experience, which is quite unique among the top CMSs that we think about, right? So obviously the WordPress, Drupal, those guys are not building what the presidents and and owners of those... (laughs) Associations are not building websites every day. You know, they're flying around the world or talking to hedge fund managers. Yes. Do you think it gives you a different perspective on where Joomla should be going? Yeah, there, there's not a weekly conference call with Drees, Matt, and myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, although the very first uh, Joomla event I went to, Matt Mullenweg was actually one of the keynote speakers. And I know you were there as while well, we didn't meet at that event, Vic, I know you were, I think, emceeing for that, if I recall. Yeah, there was a world conference in Boston, right? In 2016? 20, uh, 2013, I think it was. Uh, world conference in, in Boston which was literally my very first uh, exposure to any Joomla open source uh, software community, whatever. So, um, but yeah, to your point, yeah, I do think it, it offers a unique perspective. And I think it's something that is uh, unique and special about Joomla as a platform. And I have an incredible amount of respect for both WordPress and Drupal. There's a lot played up sort of amongst this trifecta of open source content management systems. I would love to see that competitive spirit that we have be more understood as like, how do we help each other be better? I think they're the the best siblings we have in the technology space in terms of understanding where open source fits amidst other proprietary solutions that are closed source and aren't as flexible. Um, So I think we have a lot to learn from those organizations. I do have concerns in terms of the corporate ambitions of where uh, both Drupal and WordPress are headed. But again, I think they're our best analog uh, from a Joomla perspective. And in terms of my personal involvement, absolutely. You know, the folks that I'm working with on a volunteer basis within Open Source Matters, we're sharing that lived experience of getting our hands dirty. I'll be addressing support tickets for clients later this afternoon uh, when we finish this conversation. And uh, it does give me a real hands-on first-person perspective. I don't have to read the case study. I am the case study, along with all of the other folks that I get to collaborate with within Joomla. So yeah, I, I think it does provide a unique experience. We have a lot to do. There's a lot of opportunity for growth within the community, but I think we're uh, well-positioned to do that. And um, there's a lot of exciting things happening right now. And a lot of it is because the folks that are using the tools are the ones that are creating the tools. It's pretty exciting. So how does it work on a practical basis? You have, in the last week or so, been anointed the benevolent (laughs) dictator of Joomla. You served for two years. So you're going to be in charge for two years, and then you step down and let someone else take charge. Are we going to be seeing you around for two years? Is, Is that the plan? There's actually, there's some discussion right now about extending the presidential term to two years. As it stands right now, it's a one-year term. Okay. So my intention is to stay involved as long as I feel like there's value that I can add and then I'm not getting in the way of other folks. One of the things that I focused on even in 
when I put my name forward for consideration was really focusing on what I think is important about the role of leadership in an organization. And one of the very first things I talk about is succession planning. So making sure that things are better uh, when I leave than when I got here and making sure that I set up the next leader to do even better things. So those are the, you know, succession, even this week, succession planning is on my mind and thinking about what's next. I don't anticipate that's going to be a year from now. I'm, I'm hoping I, I have some things I'd like to see happen. And I think it's going to take longer than that uh, to move in those directions. But my focus will be making sure that whenever that day comes, that it'll be an opportunity for me to say things are better now than when I got here. And they're going to be even better than that when I leave. Okay, a couple of questions to wrap up. Is there anything that we should be particularly looking out for from Joomla, from your organization over the next, uh, say, two, three, four months? The biggest thing, of course, and I know you've had some other uh, Joomla folks on the podcast previously, we're all super excited to get Joomla 4 launched. That is, there, we're targeting that within the next six weeks to go to beta, and then we'll move uh, okay. from that into release candidate. And then really, that's an important, it's been years in the making. And I think it's an important milestone at this point, psychologically more than anything else. So that's, that's certainly the next big milestone for Joomla as a community. And I know I'm too early to say what happens after that, but there's already some really good conversation that's been happening, as uh, Vic alluded to earlier. A significant part of what came out of Spain was a discussion around improving user experience. Actually, on the Watchful blog, I would encourage your listeners to go check it out. Uh, Vic wrote a beautiful love letter to Joomla talking about the authoring experience. Uh, I think it was really insightful about how Joomla can improve its authoring experience to make it easy for those nuns that I was talking about earlier to do their thing. Keep the nuns in mind when you're developing Joomla. That's absolutely, absolutely. (laughs) And then beyond that, I would love to take that same approach towards our site creation experience to look at what user experience is from a site developer's perspective. So even though that's not what Intergen is focusing on as we move forward, to look at the folks that are building websites and to say, how do we make this as intuitive and simple and straightforward uh, as possible? And then I think one of Joomla's great strengths and really what propelled it to prominence was uh, the developer experience. There is a learning curve in terms of how to do things the Joomla way as an extension developer, but uh, Joomla provides incredible tools when it comes to access control permissions to security. So if you follow best practices within Joomla extension development, I think there's no better platform for building powerful, secure extensions and having a world full of site creators that are ready to deploy those extensions in their own projects. So I think it's it's one of the great strengths of Joomla that's underappreciated as a platform is, is how incredibly powerful it is in building your own extensions in a way that moves beyond the simple plug-in architecture. That's a whole other conversation we could have for another day. Uh, but components kind of take things to the next level and provide great opportunities. So I'd love to take that focus that Vic did in that love letter on authoring. I'd love to see that applied more to site creation and then also to focus on our extension developers to make that process even uh, more straightforward and intuitive. That's where I'd like to see things happen. That's kind of where I intend my focus to be uh, in my tenure as president. I know there's a lot of support for that within the community as well. So, Cool. So where can people follow you and or Intergen for updates on what you're doing with your hosting services and what you're doing in the role 
as Jim Lazar. So I love that you're using all the language. Almost like he's poking me in the shoulder every time. <laughs> this is all the language that flies in the face of servant leadership. But I know we're I know we're tongue in cheek. I know I'm making yeah I'm making fun. You're all good. You're all good. So uh, Intergen, of course, you can uh, learn more about our company at intergen.org. So we are at uh, intergen.org. And then I'm uh, somewhat active on uh, Twitter at Intergenerator. Uh, we'll provide links to this because, of course, I do the cute spellings on things. If you guys have a show notes page. Yeah, we'll drop it in the uh, show notes. If you check, check me out at, uh, at Intergenerator is my Twitter handle. And at Intergen is the company Twitter feed as well. So we have a modest presence on social media. We're really just focused on taking care of our clients most days. So we don't have an active blog or we're not doing a regular podcast. Uh, but I'm sure we'll be happy to post this episode. So I really appreciate the opportunity to uh, talk with the two of you today about what Intergen's trying to do and where we're trying to go. Awesome. Thanks, Brian. We wish you all the best in uh, your new role with Joomla as the, um, the first person of Joomla and with your new turn to all the hosting services this year. Great. Thank you. Thanks, Brian. Take care. Thanks, Brian.